Like he did that and he made it proof to all the artists, all the musicians in the music industry that are not having their best life like they like they advertise like they are. He did that. And that just tells artists you can do it too. The general perspective is that NFTs defeat the purpose of a middleman, whether that be the music industry, uh, the art galleries, I would even say insurance companies. Um, now in the smart contracts with the NFTs, you can completely obliterate the need for these centralized systems. And then I realized, I was like, oh, um, there's actually this other world that I discovered that was actually making me money passively. Every trade, there's a risk. What are you willing to lose? Just real quick, if you don't mind doing an intro for those that may not know who you are, what you do. Okay. My name is Azteca Sirius. I am a choreographer and video game designer. I started a company named Aztec Kids Code, and we teach the kids uh, financial freedom through the blockchain technology. We do three things. We teach the kids how to code, how to make video games, and then how to mint those video game assets. Uh, about me personally, I have a background in dance from the University of Texas at Austin. I, like most people, learned about crypto and all of that stuff through video games and playing to earn games. Uh, then I started to, to work in the field of making these video games, and I realized that I, that I was the only one that looked like me. And the fact that it was creating a huge wealth, dis like wealth gap disparity within our communities and everybody else that was getting on this train, and therefore I decided, okay, it's time, because the kids need to have this now. Absolutely. That's really cool. Um, so your interest in crypto and blockchain came from you playing video games, being interested in video games. Yes, yes. Well, I'm not a big, uh, I don't spend like, I know friends that have thousands of hours invested in gaming. Mm -hmm. I was more so into like making stuff look pretty. I like to just create the skin and then see how it could be changed. Right. And then I started to think, oh wait, this stuff can be like an actual NFT starting to play and play to earn games. So you, like graphic designing in a way. Yeah, could you say like, could you put it like that? Yeah. Mm. When did you get interested in that? Uh, I, I was a coder, so I went to UT for computer science and dance, and then I dropped out of computer science. <laughs> and then I started to just like code different things, and then I started to see that there's a cross section between art and technology. And then I started to, to design stuff and think, oh, this this looks cool. And then I can actually like and like I can animate it. Like if I click here, this happens and stuff like that. Yeah. So kind of like an undergrad. Right, just intuitive, like learning as you as you experiment with it. And yeah, stuff. yeah. I started just to play around, like right. you know, like I was mm. just like just trying different things, and then I saw people that were actually doing it, and I was like, hold up, now this is cool. <laughs> it really is cool, and it's it's interesting how like different paths open up just through curiosity. But moving moving um, moving on that path of of your journey, um, when did you get introduced to NFTs? I I discovered it and I didn't think it was a big deal. I'm going to be honest. I, I discovered it like at the end of 2019. I, I was like having my crypto kitties breeding and stuff like that, but I didn't think it was that big of a deal because I didn't have the perspective. And so I kind of just stopped it and then I continued with my dance degree and then the pandemic hit. And then I was like, okay, I need to make money. Like I need to, I, I can't teach dance anymore. Like I can't do any of these things that need people around each other. And so then I was like, okay, I have to bring in my little coding skills to get this job. And then I realized, I was like, oh, um, there's actually this other world that I discovered 
that was actually making me money passively. Crypto kitties? Yeah, crypto. Like my, my little kitty was like breeding, breeding itself. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. I was like, hold <laughs> up. And I completely forgot about that. And I, and I think... I think I also started getting on Axie, but I never committed to the investment of Axie because it's a bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I knew about it, and I was like, oh, wait, all this stuff exists already. I just didn't know about it, and that's why the pandemic has created such a, like, the, the bull cycle that crypto is in right now is created because of the pandemic. Like, it's become a lot more accessible. Absolutely, and um, realizing, like, how fast our existence is about to change is 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 very weird to a lot of people they didn't expect this to be this soon the Mm -hmm. metaverse nfts and i have a lot of friends and and you know just other people close to me that don't understand the concept of nfts or the value in nfts or the severity of the situation if you want to kind of give your perspective on it um being in that world you know how important are nfts how important is this whole transition in a way Mm, well there's like a general perspective and there's like an artist perspective. The general perspective is that NFTs defeat the purpose of a middleman, where that be the music industry, uh, the art galleries, even I would even say insurance companies. Um, now in the smart contracts with the NFTs, you can completely obliterate the need for these centralized systems, correct? So as an artist, you start to think, okay, I can do this without needing a big following. Like, I don't need to apply to solve the B, so the B is going to be in my DMs. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so what's really cool is that you start, like, you start realizing I can build my brand behind the NFT, and I can start, like, creating collectible items that are traded over time and make me money. So then the actual test of time for your brand is the utility of your tokens. That's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. So we see a lot of these brands and projects just come and go. Mm-hmm. And people get rug pulled, people lose money. And that's because, in my opinion, they're not spending enough time doing research or don't necessarily have the framework to determine what is valuable, what has utility versus what doesn't and what isn't valuable. Mm-hmm. And approaching it from the standpoint of, well, first of all, just recognizing that there's no middleman. You don't need to go to somebody to get approval to be listed and to like potentially make money or be considered valuable. It's just the value is dependent on what you apply to it and like how you build the foundation of it. Yeah. Um, what's really cool about that is that like you start to protect your ideas. Like whatever, I, kind of like a patent, but a patent is only restricted by that country or whatever kind of system it's patented under. Whereas like an NFT is universal. Whoever has internet has a specific restriction on that specific idea that you placed on. You know what I'm saying? And that's the really cool thing that it could be anything. Anyways. It could be anything, but from a consumer perspective, oh, how do you determine what is valuable oh, and what isn't? Oh, I did isn't? not answer your question. No, you're totally fine. Okay, so subjective value and objective value are two different things, okay? So subjective value is usually determined on clout and popularity and standing the test of time. Whereas objective value, it's a need. So water, food, uh, electricity, any kind of basic human right need that you need is an objective value. Mm-hmm. When it comes to artists and deciding what is something valuable and what is not valuable is only determined by how much work you value it yourself. 
Does that make sense? So if I think really highly of a specific project or of my own project, I'm going to want to invest in it because I believe in it. And that's the, I, that's the whole thing about subjective value. It's, it's based on belief. Right. But see, there's so much manipulation that does occur in the real art market and mm -hmm. the world of art, right? Like, they manipulate the value and you're supposed to accept what the value is. How is that eliminated um, on the blockchain? Well, as a trader, I trade NFTs. I specifically go out of my way to find projects that I'm interested in. I think people are not there yet right now. People are still on the hype of Bored Apes, CryptoKitties, uh, any of those big history like marker yeah. NFT projects. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that later on, it's going to become a whole marketplace of different utilities. So I have in my Aztec Kids Code brand, I help artists like start their own brand. And there, I like basically I'm helping one of my friends do a thing on sculptures. He has a sculpture in the middle of the forest and we are making an NFT project to specifically tokenize the movements or like the movement patterns of the thought process, the creative process behind that. There are going to be people that want to do that and there has to be marketplaces that give you access to that. Yeah. Does that make sense? So like it's not there yet. But what's going to happen is that let's say you want a specific service of an artist or even a regular person and you have a service to provide, people are going to buy your tokens. The, that, that, I know what you're saying. That It's like, well, how do I know if someone's going to buy it, yes or not? You know it depending on how good your quality of, how, quali how good the quality of your service is Absolutely. or of your art. And within that concept, what are like, how, how are the tokens valued then? Because you essentially get to determine what the value is, but with anything that's traded, the market determines what the value is by purchasing or selling. So, and I'm just trying to understand this, like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how would the tokens be valued? So when I release them or as they grow over time? Just in general, in this context of having utilities and, um, or having a di a different projects that offer utility services. If, if, okay, so... Let's try to break it down because I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm understanding, but I think I am. If I have a project and my project offers a specific utility, to transact within the project, you need to use my tokens as like fuel in a way, mm -hmm. as like currency, right? Mm -hmm. Sorry, that's a better way to put it. But what is that currency within my project backed by? It's backed for it to be traded again? Yeah. Like what do you, okay, okay, so... Uh, what happens is that you start to, you know, DeFi, and the stable coins are backed by actual physical things. Yeah. Okay. So in the same way, yeah, so like there are stable coins that are backed up by the U.S. dollar or yeah. by gold mm. or stuff like that, right? So there are things in the NFT space, specifically in your contract, that you literally price your token based on what you can back it up as in your service. Or your okay. product, whatever you're selling. So that's the value of your token. Does that make sense? I, it's, it's really yeah. hard to conceptualize it, but the value is how you, how you brand yourself and, and how you deliver. Because okay. if you deliver, people will come back. And if people come back, it'll gain, it'll gain traction and it'll bring even more people. More volume, more, more volume, and the, the thing that you need to be worried about as a creator, as an NFT artist, is like make it deliver, and if it delivers, that's that's the pricing. So initially, when I start a project, 
I mean, we've seen, okay, for example, Tory Lanez and this and, and his project, he literally sold it for a dollar, okay? That's how ridiculous it was, but it made him like $3 million in revenue, okay? That literally tells you that it doesn't matter as long as people come and you deliver your product. And yes, it's Tory Lanez and he has clout, and maybe you're not gonna sell it for a dollar. Maybe you'll sell it for 0.03 ETH, you know? Mm -hmm. And then over time, as it delivers, as you show people how to build sculptures and people actually build their own sculptures and post it online, they'll see, oh yeah, it actually is a thing. Right, Morgan, let's take a pause for a second. <laughs> okay, good. What just happened? Oh, it's the motion sensor? Yeah. It usually does not happen, but happened a few times. Um, okay, and we're back. No, it definitely makes sense. Um, my personal perspective on that was like it's interesting i don't know if that particular album is going to sell for more because that concept it's like a million copies at one dollar <throat> if everybody tries to flip it and make money which i'm not saying like everybody's goal was to do that it's a dollar it introduced you to what nfts are you know you get to say you own an nft for a dollar i don't even know if like i'm sure there were gas fees with that right yeah. Okay, there mm -hmm. have to be. Yeah, because it gas was on OpenSea. Mm -hmm. So there always have to be gas fees. Well, there's some places that don't have to, like Mintable doesn't always require gas fees. There's places. Okay. So, But like where, the, where it happens, usually yes. Gas okay, fees. so let's say they paid a dollar and whatever, $100, $75, whatever the gas was at that time. Um, do you think there's a market that's going to pay more for that particular Okay, album? so this is where I had to gain perspective because... Um, it's projects like that, like board apes and stuff that are original pieces of work that are marking history, their utility, yes, they have events that you can go to and everything, but their mm -hmm. utility above anything that will stand a test of time is that they are making history. The fact that he did that, like he did that and he made it proof to all the artists, all the musicians in the music industry that are not going that are not having their best life, like they, like they advertise like they are. He did that. And that just tells artists, you can do it too. It's not the fact that it's profitable or not. It's the fact that it can be done. So you're buying into the idea of him doing that yeah. as a marker in history of arguably being the first rapper, probably the first rapper, mm -hmm. to make an NFT of an album. So I, I understand what you're saying, and that's really interesting. That's a really like interesting way to view it, because even with crypto punks or crypto kitties or whatever, you do see roadmaps, right? You see what they want to do mm -hmm. with the project, where they want to take it, and I think this is definitely like. I mean, what do you think? Is this the beginning? Is it's this about, even before the beginning? Uh, this is where we go into the entrepreneurship thing, right? Mm -hmm. This is about risk. Okay, so uh, I don't know if you trade or not, but basically in every trade, there's a risk. What are you willing to lose? And the thing is, is that there are, even if you have everything or nothing to lose, this is something to be worth because the risk over time defeats the actual outcome, or defeats the actual outcome. That's Did I mix that up? The risk over time defeats the actual outcome? No, it's the opposite. The outcome, like what you could potentially make, defeats should the risk. be greater than the risk. Mm-hmm and can defeat the risk, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so that's that the opposite. But you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, because this risk isn't, it seems big right now, but given the perspective of this whole thing and its potentiality, 
I'll, I'll, I'll make that risk. Exactly. That's a really good perspective again, because like if you just study history, when, when the dot-com bubble or whatever, you know, everybody was against websites, online stores like Amazon. Yeah. I mean, Amazon's massive. Imagine investing in Amazon during their IPO. Yeah. It's the same thing for some projects. Not yeah. for all of them. Well, yeah, that's Web 2.0. This is Web point, Web Web 3.0. Yeah. So, like, if you look at all those companies that began, like eBay, even Craigslist was on there, Amazon, that created a huge crash in the market, but then it plummeted. It went all the way up, and it stuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, mm-hmm. it literally will happen the same thing again because there is no, there is no cap. This is backed by you know what I'm saying? Go ahead. <laughs> it's backed by... It's backed by things that are centralized and that will later become obliterated. Yeah. I think it'll be, it'll be cool to see how decentralized sort of systems and governing bodies react to this because we're, we're, we're obviously seeing, like, adoption on some level mm-hmm. when it comes to Bitcoin. And Bitcoin's been around for a minute, so... You can just see like where they're, I mean, where they're at. But then you have companies like Visa buying a CryptoPunk, and you know now all these rappers want to buy Bored Apes and whatever. It's like certain people are understanding. I still think it's very, very early. Yeah. It's very, very early because a lot of my friends that aren't in that world or don't don't have like direct exposure to that world are still dismissive of it, dismissive of the whole concept. Yeah. Um, even when it comes to the metaverse. I mean, you know, it's like, well, I have the, I have the autonomy to put on that sort of headset. Do I want to be in that world or not? And if I choose to not be in that world, what is the, the real world still exists. So me owning an NFT or something or me owning, you know, land or whatever in, 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 in any virtual reality mm-hmm. um, project or world created by some project, whatever, like it has no consequences in the real world. Mm-hmm. So how, what do you think about that? Like blurring the line between that well <laughs> uh you know, just like if you look at the concept of decentral land for example yes so what i tell people especially in video games and i used to i had the game boy i think most of our generation had the game boy so those are places where you invested money and you lost time, you know? Whereas a play to earn game, let's say, how much does the console cost now? How much is the PlayStation 4? Two, 300. Okay, how much, is, how much is a game on the PlayStation 4? Yeah. So all of that money that you can spend on buying a console game, you can spend that by investing in a play to earn game that will give you the, uh, like a three times more return in a month. If you really, like, if you spend the same amount of time in a regular video game versus a crypto game, you're going to make money off the crypto game. That's why I tell the kids, like, the kids like to play video games. They mention Roadblock or they mention all of the ones. But I'm like, okay, so this is a system where you can actually make money over time. And even if nothing happens, you did it. And it's, okay, it's imaginary money, but now you can use that money to get U.S. dollars. And that's when the game changes because you believe in the U.S. dollar right 
So if you believe in the US dollar, you can change this money for US dollars. What's the difference? Is it really a waste of time? And for people that don't really understand this concept, it's okay because it's, your mitigated risk is not to be on this train right now. And that's cool. But understand that there's a huge possibility. And as it, as it being a small market, as it being a baby and a baby state, mm -hmm. you can literally make your own path. You can literally just, like, I, I don't even know how to, like, put this into perspective because I think my life has been, like, I haven't lived that long just yet. But you can literally make whatever you want out of it. Absolutely. And that's what's really cool about it, in my opinion. So I think if people, people are going to invest, people, people invest in education. People invest in housing. People invest in clothing. People invest in so many different things. Okay, take 10% of that and invest it in crypto. Play, play to earn game. 100%. I think crypto gaming is going to be massive, massively mm -hmm. big, um, and it's going to be bigger than, you know, what we, we're currently looking at, the market cap of just all the cryptos. I think crypto gaming is going to be massive. Um, I don't know enough about it to speak on, like, what projects or whatever um, I see potential in, mm -hmm. but what are you observing right now that you see potential in? Um, so I, again, think about the my audience and so a lot of my audience doesn't have money to start they're like girl i don't even have 50 dollars," and i'm like okay bet so there are actual blockchain games that are free to enter the first couple of months and i tell like my what i basically did too because i also was broke and artist broke like during the pandemic i started to enter games that were like free for the first couple of months and then i started to flip my assets and I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> now I have money from nothing. Mm. Um, in the same way, because of the blockchain, you can transfer those assets somewhere else. And that's when I was like, hold up now. This is a whole different game. Because looking at my friends and my cousins and my everything, my relations, yeah. they are spending a lot of time playing video games in the pandemic, in their houses, at home jobs, and they can literally make this happen. Like, so my perspective is this. You're not going to get into Axie Infinity tonight. It, you know, if you don't have $5,000, <laughs> it's probably not going to happen for a good, well, for a good start on Axie. Well, let's talk about that start a little bit. Let's try mm -hmm. to, like, uh, explain it in a simpler way for those that are following along that may not understand what getting a start in Axie means okay. necessarily. So, in the crypto world, you need... A crypto wallet and there are various blockchains that you can attach to with that wallet and the blockchains give you access to different games the most popular one is ethereum the second most popular one is polygon but the ethereum blockchain gives you access to all of its different video games hosted on that blockchain so now your wallet and your block and whatever blockchain you're on can now give you access to all these video games and you can pick which one you want to play does it answer your question? Yeah. Okay, and then from there, you start to decide how much money you can put in your game, how you want to start playing. So if I want to start playing big and I have a big, a big fund of at least $2,000, I can go ahead and get on Axie and make my, make my account and everything. So you have to pay $2,000 to be so able happens, to play Axie or do you have so to own what, something? Oh, I see what you're saying. So yeah. what happens is that you need to buy the characters, basically. Okay, that's that's all I was asking. So oh, I'm you so need to sorry. Buy, <laughs> no, you're perfectly fine. So you have to buy the NFT, mm -hmm. and they have, like, characters, 
bushes, items, yeah, blah, blah, blah. and you have to buy kind of like in Fortnite or World of Warcraft, you have to buy the skin that you want to wear. The same thing happens in Axie Infinity. That's a perfect example. Okay, but in Axie Infinity, you, it's like an investment, whereas like in Fortnite and game, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All of these games, you don't get any return. So, it's like buying a skin in Fortnite. That's going to generate you money based on how how much you play that and based on the value of the skin as it goes up or down. Yes, and it can be traded. And it can be traded. Yes. It can be traded in terms of like buying and selling or just swapped, given to somebody? Uh, It can be traded both ways. Okay. So um, depending on how savvy you are, you can make it so that it comes back to you. Whereas, like, you're in a specific farm on Axie, and then somehow you play it well enough so that the asset gains traction while it's traded, and then you can gain it back. But then that's actually in the game. You know, it just becomes more player usage than anything from there. That's really interesting. What do you think about, um, like, the, the land that I was talking about, Decentral Land or Sandbox? Like, what do you think about those projects? Those are fun. Those are really they ha- okay. Those are have, okay. Those are really cool, but again, I go to the beginner. I'm like, okay, hold up. So what I can introduce you to is so kind of how you're talking about the metaverse mm. and how people are really scared of the metaverse. Like the metaverse has already existed. Like y'all were on GTA long before the metaverse came out. You know, Minecraft. Exactly, <laughs> Minecraft. The biggest one. And that goes back to that goes back to sandbox and all this stuff. Yeah. Where it's like this is like how we. This is how we make money off of doing those same things. That's kind of just what it is. Does that make sense? So, like, these Absolutely. are really cool. And and now people are under. Well, I don't know if every everybody, but at least every gamer is understanding, oh, if I'm going to play video games, I kind of want to start spending time um, in Decentraland, in Sandbox, because then I can actually profit off of my time. And it's actually entertaining. Like, it's fun. <laughs> like the the what what is getting people really excited is like this is actually kind of fun and I'm like one of my friends quit their nine to five because they were so immersed in the play to earn game you know what I'm saying it's really cool it's I don't recommend doing that but it's a possibility yeah not yet not yet definitely <laughs> do some research before you before you make that transition um, let's talk about your company what was the inspiration behind starting it I know you mentioned not seeing people that look like you in that world kind of inspired you to teach the kids so they know but besides that was there anything else that inspired you uh this is where i put the my indigenous cap on and the reason that i believe in the blockchain technology is because uh the american dollar is monitored by the federal reserve the federal reserve is a private owned institution uh, if you look at how money is distributed to companies, to banks, to individuals, to small businesses, it becomes a pseudo, well, it becomes a pyramid scheme, okay? Because it goes top down, right? So with the blockchain and the land back movement, I believe it's the fastest way to acquire a land back, okay? And a lot of the times, we have been put in victimization rules where we are the victims. Things have happened to us, and yes, they have. We've been displaced in all of these things, but there are possible ways and things to create that, I don't like to say the, well, there are possible ways to reclaim ourselves. And I believe the blockchain is one of those tools that can help us do that. 
because the barrier there are no barriers. Yes, there's no there's no top down. The blockchain yeah. is decentralized. You know what I'm saying? So and it starts with the education. And it starts with education and right. then me specifically as as a woman, as a mother, as a daughter, as a wife, I, my responsibility, my duty is to teach the children. Like that is one thing. Like people people have always criticized like why didn't you stay with the other companies that I was with. I was like, it's not my, that's not my place to be there. There's nobody like me that's there. I'm not welcome there. I'm going to take care of us. While, while y'all figure something else out, I'm gonna let them know this is what's happening with the blockchain. This is what you can do with your ideas, like protect your intellectual property and we'll keep it moving from there. Like, it, cause it's not my place to go and debunk all of these things that are already set. Whereas, like I said, in the new, in a, in a baby market, in a new territory, I can start making that for myself. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Such a good approach. Um, and we live in a time where it's possible to do that in many different, you know, aspects of life or avenues. Um, and blockchain might be the most conducive to that way of thinking platform or avenue that exists. Mm -hmm. So what exactly do you do with that then? Like, do you go to schools? Do you partner with schools? Do yes. what, like, how does that process work? So we specifically go to, go to black and brown schools. So charter school systems that are independent from the, from the school district, the public school district, mm -hmm. because they have different regulations that limit how much time we can, how much we can do there. Um, but yeah, so basically we go to schools and we go and we uh, basically cater to their after-school programs, to the summer programs, and we incorporate like our curriculum to theirs. A lot of these charter schools are focusing art and technology, and we integrate the, the two. Does that make sense? So yeah. this is a place where like you can get financial freedom from doing both at the same time. And that's something that people haven't seen. People have always seen you only do art, you only do technology. No, the reality is that they coexist. And not only do they coexist, but while you learn, while you create things, you can make money off of those. Absolutely. You know? I think the overlap is so fascinating because as an artist, you could consider yourself to be on the other end of the spectrum. Like, how do you relate to people that work in tech, right? Mm -hmm. You're like an artist. I mean, at least from my perspective, maybe I'm incorrect in this assumption, but I'd imagine just... 20, 30 years ago, an artist would not be able, would not feel like they could relate to somebody in tech. Mm. But as art, as making art became more accessible through mm -hmm. technology, and now there's a clear overlap in being able to sell your art through technology, on technology, however you want to put it, um, you know, it makes perfect sense. And why not? Like, why not? I, I really admire this, um, this initiative that you're taking. If you want to touch on like the curriculum aspect, did you go about designing it? Yes. And if so, what were you like mindful of? Like what's the priority for you in terms of designing okay. the curriculum? So with Aztec Kids Code, our goal is to empower black and brown kids into owning their creativity. So a lot of the times you see us well, even adults, really, they go through midlife crises. They have all of these revelations. It's because they were never given the time and space to actually hone in on things that they like doing. And when you find things that you like doing, you find your passion and you find your purpose in life. So my point of the curriculum was giving you as many tools as possible for you to have the time to unravel your passions. 
Does that make sense? Because when you have the freedom of money, or like you, when you have financial freedom, you have the financial, you have the freedom of time. That's the key. Whereas like if you see like people that are working nine to fives, or even the moms of these kids that don't have the time to pick them up, like I can't teach this to them because they don't have the time. Whereas the kids, not only do they have an untapped creativity potential, but they have time to focus on the things that I'm giving them. So we teach the kids how to code, which basically they learn the fundamentals of coding. So we have curriculum for elementary students, middle school, mm-hmm. and high school. For the elementary students, we focus on more uh, understanding the value of their ideas. So we basically have them working on scratch, literally drawing coins, and like doing this activity where we have them create private coin, private code, and public code, and then they switch basically basic arithmetic. And then for the middle schoolers, we teach them, well, middle schoolers and high schoolers, we teach them more formalized C-sharp on Unity, right? Uh, Unity is a game engine. Uh, So we teach them how to code. Yes, and then we teach them how to design video games, which is the second part, which is a crypto, specifically a crypto video game, so a play-to-earn game. And then we teach them how to uh, mint the assets from their games if their crypto game is not finished by the deadline of whenever whenever the summer program is over or anything like that. We take the last week to assess where we're at, and if they are not ready to publish their game, we'll go ahead and just make them make them mint their assets on OpenSea or any type of other platform. That's like really that. awesome. That's really, really cool. Thank you. Um, what is your goal with this? Like, where do you think you could take this? How big would you want to take it, or do you like the sort of one-to-one approach that you get to, you know, because when you start a company, it's very personalized in the beginning, yeah. and then as you scale, you could lose some of the core values. So what's your approach in that regard? Yeah, so I was actually talking to one of my mentors about this. I think the in-person thing is really valuable, but I also need to be more realistic because if I want to touch as many kids as I, as I, as I desire to teach, then I have to develop at least digital products, right? So digital Zoom classes, tutoring, and like services like that, and also actual products like workbooks, things that you can do on the iPad, maybe even an app. So to scale the business, we're working on actually creating an app Right, so an app that facilitates kind of like, kind of like in Scratch, where you can like do blocks and it teaches you the fundamentals of game design and stuff like that. We Not can also. With it, oh, Scratch is just Scratch is a program by MIT. They basically created a free platform where anybody can go and learn to code, and it's catered to children, but it's honestly useful for anybody that doesn't know how to code. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's like the that's like the in person stuff, like, but the, also in the large scale of things of in-person products we want to go ahead and also start franchising in different in different cities right predominantly black and brown cities throughout the u.s yeah Um, but that's like big picture stuff right now we're like we're just babies right now to ourselves um but yeah there's a lot of possibility absolutely and it's a uh like i said again it's a great initiative um what so in terms of entrepreneurship do you have prior experience or is this your first venture this it well what is entrepreneurship to you? Basically, the idea of creating a company, product, service, seeing it from you know idea to reality. Mm. So this is where I go back to my dance background. So I have executed many ideas in my lifetime. I also, as an entrepreneur, have, uh, you know, we always 
trade. We trade stocks. We invest. We do all the different things. As a business, as a codified business, this is my first endeavor. Uh, but as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, there are many. It's multifaceted and an infinite possibilities to, to fulfill the same purpose. Absolutely. And even going a little bit specific in terms of the business, you know, you have to do so many things by yourself. Mm. And you could have a team around you or people that help you, but it's still like, you're all over the place. Yeah. It's hard to manage time. How do you maneuver through that? So thankfully, my friends ride with me. Uh, thankfully, my friends support me, and I love them. And I, I, I think it's a huge responsibility when when people want to sign up and work with me, even if they are my friends. Like I'm actually like you, you trust me to lead you. Like that's that's so humbling to me. Like I don't think my friends understand. Like I am so humbled that you want to work with me. So not only do I have the more responsibility, but I have to then again sit as a woman and think, like as a feminine woman and think, okay, I need people. I need help. And I receive the help and I execute the idea even better. So when it comes to terms of doing things all spaced out, I have to humble myself and think, okay, I need help. How am I going to get the help? How am I going to afford it? And how am I going to execute while I am receiving the help? What do you think motivates you to do that? What motivates me? Like, what's the source of drive for you? Spirit. Creator. The, the, just the, just creating? Creator. Like, uh, like our, oh, like okay. spirit. Gotcha, like, that, gotcha, that, gotcha. I think that's, that's like not the, that's the inspiration, motivation, but also the discipline. That in this, that in, in spirit, I move. Do you know what you I'm saying? Can you explain that a little bit? So, so, it's, uh, it's a spiritual thing where I believe in myself and in my ideas, and so therefore I create my reality. And if I see things that I can help others in, I do so. Um, And in that, my motivation and my discipline is sourced from spirit, as in God, as in Allah, as in whatever that may be for you, that's what I find my drive. That's interesting. So it's like very... It's obviously rooted in something way bigger than you, in a way, right? As opposed to, like, external validation or other outside sources. It's, like, really... It's really cool to see that. Yeah. Um, and even even the discipline aspect. You know, as an entrepreneur, you can, again, spend your time however you want. You don't mm. really have a structure around you, necessarily, unless you create your own. Um, and even in that, you could be forgiving of, like certain things you don't want to do. So yeah. how do you apply the framework of discipline? I have to learn to forgive myself. It's so hard because, like, you're, like, you know you can do whatever you want to do. And sometimes you don't make choices that are good for you, and you know it, but you still do it. And it's like, instead of talking down on myself, I'm like, okay, why did I do that? And ultimately, okay, I forgive myself. And next time I'm tested in that same way, I choose elsewise because I, I like to practice excellence. I like to be excellent. Mm. And if that is how I move, then any choice that I have, I have the choice to grow or to repeat. And a lot of the times I, have, I, I catch myself in the habit of repeating, 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 like self-destructive tendencies, but I have to like forgive myself. I have to forgive. And if I can forgive myself, people around me, I don't hold grudges. Exactly. That's it's exactly not even personal, right. bro. Like, it's not even like that. It's not like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it builds so much empathy and compassion towards other people. 
So when I say big, when you say bigger than myself, it's actually the same. It's because you are the maker of your own reality. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you live in this beautiful home. You have this podcast. You made that. Think of how many people you have at like your fingertips. That's crazy. But you did that because you are also inspired. You are also driven. So it becomes like, thank you, by the way, but it becomes like your, your source of motivation and drive is the creator, but at the same time, you are the creator. So it is you. Oh, when I say like, creator, I mean like God. Okay, okay, I understand. <laughs> I'm sorry if that wasn't clear. I mean, I no, mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess you, I am the creator and I, I come from the creator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I grew up Catholic. Um, and they teach you in the Catholic Church that you are made in the image of God. And I'm sure that other religions teach you the same thing. I'm not necessarily Catholic anymore. But I understand that there are universal truths within different codified religions. Okay? So I understand. I am the creator of my own reality. And all of these different things had to happen for me to exist. Like, you know what yes, I'm saying? Absolutely. That's crazy. And for me to have a platform to even have a say in one person's life is a huge honor. A huge honor. And I will always be humbled. Yeah. It's such a beautiful way to look at it. Like, how many people had to exist for you, me, anyone else to be here right now? And all the things that those people went through, um, you know, different levels of severity applied. And it's just, like, it gives you perspective. You realize, wow. It goes back to the beginning of the Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's like, you, how can you waste time on dumb shit or worrying about stupid things when, you know, your ancestors, like, the reason why you're here, those people did not have time to waste mm-hmm. on things. They had to do things. They had to survive through all these situations, all these circumstances for you to exist and be on your phone and bitch about, like, not getting enough <laughs> likes on a post. Like, yeah. when you get that perspective, it's... It drives you, and I can see that, and I think, um, or I hope, you know, more and more people can kind of just start viewing things in that in that way. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you being here. Um, if you want to let people know where they could find you, where they could find the company, anything else, okay. please feel free. Uh, yes. So the company is called Aztec, Aztec Kids Code. So Aztec as an A-Z-T-E-C-H and kids with a Z code. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, our website is also AzteccaKidsCode.org. My name is Azteca, and you can also find me online. Um, and yeah, thank you for having me. Thank I you. It was really good.